Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Welcome to Movie House Concessions on the MHM Podcast Network, where each episode we pull a random film from the display case to see if it tastes as fresh as the day it was released. I'm Patrick. And I'm Random Chris. And for today's episode, we are reviewing Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull from 2008, directed by Steven Spielberg and stars starring Harrison Ford and Kate Blanchett. And I guess Shia LaBeouf. The Shia Yes, he was crazy even back then. Correct, he was. So, and uh, before we get in our discussion of this film, first a summary provided by myself. The year is 1957. It has been nearly two decades since Indiana Jones took on the Nazis in the search for the Holy Grail. Now, a new evil has arisen. Indiana's partner George Mac McHale have been kidnapped from their archaeological dig in Mexico by Soviet agents. The Soviets are commanded by Colonel Doctor. Irina Spalko, who seeks Indy's help in locating a mummified corpse reportedly hidden at a secret Nevada warehouse. Once the Soviets infiltrate the base, Indy finds the body using the strange magnetic powers of the corpse. After the body is found, Indy is able to get the drop on the Soviets until he's betrayed by Mac. Despite the betrayal, Indy is able to, to escape from the Soviets and takes refuge in a nearby model town right before an atomic bomb test. Indy hides in a lead-lined refrigerator, which is blown clear of the town by the concussive wave of the atomic explosion. After surviving the explosion, Indy is interrogated by FBI agents who believe that Indy is a secret Soviet agent. When he returns to Marshall College to continue his teaching, he is dismayed to learn that due to the FBI's suspicions, he has been given an indefinite leave of absence, despite the attempts of his friend, Dean Charles Stanforth for Indy to keep his job. Indy decides to leave town to teach overseas. At the train station, Indy is approached by a rebel motorcycle rider named Mutt Williams, who asks Indy to help him find his mom. Mutt tells Indy that their mutual friend, Dr. Harold Ox Oxley, found a crystal skull in Peru and was kidnapped. Mutt's mother went to help and sent Mutt a letter with some of Ox's writings. Indy agrees to translate Ox's messages, but he's interrupted by some undercover KGB agents who attempt to capture them. Indy and Mutt escape the agents and then fly to Peru. They pick up Ox's trail at a psychiatric hospital where Ox was once held and left numerous messages on the wall. The messages lead them to a cemetery where they find a secret chamber that holds the ancient body of Francisco de Ariana, a conquistador who once searched for Akator an ancient city made of gold where crystal skulls could be found. Oriana's mummified corpse contains a crystal skull that has strange magnetic properties. When Indy and Mutt leave the cemetery, they are captured by the Soviets. The pair is taken to the Soviets' camp in the Amazon jungle. Once there, they find that the Soviets are the ones responsible for kidnapping Ox and Mutt's mother, Marion Ravenwood. Spalko wants Indy to help them find Akator and is convinced that the crystal skull belongs to an alien life form that has great psychic power. 
She hopes that finding additional skulls will grant the Soviets an advantage over the United States. Jones and his group are able to escape temporarily. During the escape, Marion reveals that Mutt is Indy's son, Henry Jones III. After they are captured, Indy, Mutt, and Marion work together to free themselves and Ox and to reacquire the crystal skull. The trio get both Ox and the skull and steal one of the Soviet's amphibious vehicles to float down the river towards Akator. Mac reveals to Indy that he is a triple agent and then he that he has been working for the CIA the whole time and rejoins the group. The group finds the hidden city, but they are attacked by the protectors of the city. (laughs) I I, want to say the Uggas, but I think it's the Ugas, who retreat upon seeing the... Well, they had the Thuggies in number two, so... Correct. Pick a wacky name. Right. The Ugas, uh, who retreat upon seeing the Crystal Skull. Indy is able to figure out a way into the temple and a mysterious chamber where there are several crystal skeletons, including one missing its skull. The Soviets catch up to Indy due to Mac leaving trackers along the way for them. Spalko replaces the missing skull upon the skeleton and the alien skeletons begin to reanimate and telepathically offer a reward to Spalko. Ox's mind returns and he and Indy lead their group out of the chamber as the temple begins to crumble. A portal to the alien dimension begins to open and everything starts to get sucked in. Mac, unwilling to leave the treasure, gets sucked in despite Indy trying to save him. Spalko's mind catches on fire and she is sucked into the other dimension with her men. Indy, Mutt, Ox, and Marion are able to get free of the temple and watch as a flying saucer rises from underneath the temple before it vanishes into the other dimension. The film ends with Indy being reinstated as an associate dean of Marshall College, and Indy and Marion finally get married, with her son acting as the best man. And that is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I have some numbers for this film. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was released on May 22, 2008, the same week as War, Inc. with John Cusack. And the children of Huang Shi. Don't you remember that good old classic film? I've the, never the, heard of that one before <laughs> in my life. Actually. Got a wide release. So, uh, same month as the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, Speed Racer. Oh, there's a classic right uh, there. <laughs> Speed Racer. Put that up top. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what happens in Vegas? Maid of Honor and Iron Man, the first one with Robert Downey Jr. Made on a budget of approximately $185 million, it grossed over $317 million in the United States and over $790 million worldwide. It was the third highest grossing film uh, in the United States uh, behind The Dark Knight and Iron Man and was the second highest grossing film of 2008 uh, worldwide just behind The Dark Knight. Uh, was scheduled to be followed by a fifth Indiana Jones film to be released later this year. At this time of our recording, we don't know the title of it, but Harrison Ford is reprising his role again. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 78% critics and 53% audience. And that is the brief numbers that I found on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Did you, by any chance, find out how many monkeys were used in the jungle scene? None, actually. All CG. Oh. <laughs> No, I have. No. I think there's some for the close-ups, especially the pompadour a monkey. But our, all right, Chris. Well, this at least temporarily closes out our 
review of the Indiana Jones films. Uh, I, I, you and I have previously reviewed Temple of Doom on Lunchtime Movie Review, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark on Movie House Memories, and I reviewed uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on Movie House Memories. Uh, both Raiders and, and Last Crusade were I put in my top 100 films of all time. But we, uh, we had to shoehorn this in someplace. Didn't fit in with the 80s films. Uh, certainly doesn't rise to the level of a top 100. Why not throw it in the movie house concessions? So, uh, so we don't have to do an individual Indiana Jones podcast for that. Uh, Chris, did you catch this one in the theater? Yeah, I was excited when this one came out. I don't know about you, but uh, this was definitely something I had always been looking forward to since they released number three. And I wasn't on your review of uh, The Last Crusade, but I think I would put that in my top 100 as well. It it holds up incredibly well over the years. Um, But yes, I was very stoked to see this film. You know, I too was very excited about it. I mean, this long before the prospect of seeing Harrison Ford return as Han Solo, this was the only real chance to see him reprise a character that I thought that I, a beloved character that I grew up enjoying and really uh, like liking the film. And it ended on such a high note. Last, or Last Crusade was such a great film. And it, one could argue that it's a good place to finish. But I knew all through the 90s, they talked about doing a fourth film. And, you know, I remember just here constantly hearing about it. Harrison Ford wanted to do it. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg wanted to do it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And, and it just took forever to finally get to a place where they could all agree on a, a story and a project to do. Uh, and this is what they came up with. <laughs> and were you at all surprised? Because at this point, they had they actually had a number of books. Uh, yes. They had one video game that I'm aware of, uh, one of my favorite video games um, from the 90s. And um, I don't remember when they started the Young Indiana Jones book series, but they had a lot of material that they could have used for this film. Well, I mean, they did. And it's weird that they do reference the Young Indiana Jones television series from the early 90s, um, I think maybe into the mid 90s. But I don't remember the young Indiana Jones series. I remember the Indiana Jones books. I read most of those throughout, once again, throughout the nineties, that's when they were being published Mm -hmm. and they were definitively dealing with early Indiana Jones way before the movie. So you knew that they were, it was not going to cross into territory that they would make theatrical films from Um, the, the video game I played once a long time ago. So I'm assuming you know, I, and I don't remember distinctly. I'm assuming it, it followed after Last Crusade. It was um, pre-World War II. It was called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And he was looking for the sunken city. And But no, it was pre-World War II that was set in. Okay. Nerd so, alert. <laughs> well, around the time of Last Crusade, because I think Last mm-hmm. Crusade. Yeah. Thinks, I would say it's before it. Yeah. But. You know, there definitively there's a lot of rich texture to the kind of the lore of Indiana Jones, e- even through the young Indiana Jones uh, television series, where Harrison Ford did make one noted appearance in one episode, <laughs> uh, where he played the character that was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be four or five years younger than he played him in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, and with mm. a beard. <laughs> but, you know, so you were excited when this one was coming out. Oh, yeah. Right. It, it, yeah. Uh, more so, I, I think I didn't even really care about Iron Man all that much 
And uh, even though I saw that in the theater as well, but this is the one that had my attention even more than Dark Knight. Well, I, I will say that this one and Dark Knight were the two movies I was looking forward to that summer. I was a highly skeptical of Iron Man and was pleasantly surprised when that one came out and how much I enjoyed that film and the ambition of what they were trying to set up. And now nearly, you know, 13 years later, 14 years later, uh, <laughs> what they've accomplished with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in pretty impressive. But, you know, I, I got to say that, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that as much as I was excited about the film, every time I saw a trailer, I kind of went, eh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I was really bothered by Shia LaBeouf, probably the worst kept secret that he was potentially going to be Indiana Jones's son in the film. Uh, and, and there was rumors that he was going to replace Harrison Ford as the main lead eventually, right? Isn't that what they were thinking? Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I think what they were thinking was we hope that this is an unmitigated success and that he is welcomed with open arms as a character that we can continue the series further with. Um, maybe not with the next film, him taking over. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think they thought that, you know, he was, he was coming on, coming into this with such career highs uh, with transformers. I know that's, I, I said that was a straight face, but uh, you know, but he had a lot of box office appeal coming into this film. I mean, it was a coup to get him to come in and play this role. Well, you were guaranteed that at no point in this film would he scream Bumblebee. No, well, that's true this time, you know, but, uh, you know, but the unfortunate reality is I would say he's the, the weakest element of this film. I know a lot of people don't like the alien aspect of it, and that doesn't bother me nearly as much as Mutt and Shia LaBeouf's performance in it. It's just, he's, I, I don't know. He just, he grates on me the entire, the entirety of the film. Even when you find out he's his son, I still don't like him. I'll tell you what though. Um, I hadn't, I saw this in the theater and I saw it a couple times thereafter and I hadn't seen it for a good long time. And I actually did not mind Shia's performance as much as when I originally saw it, I think it's, it's aged fairly well. I still am not a big fan of it, but I, I, I didn't mind it as much this time around. Yeah. I, you know, he just seems to be a wildly poorly or so such a poorly written and inconsistent character that you have this aspect of, you, you know, he's a, he's a wild one. He's a Marlon Brando, uh, you know, riding on his motorcycle. Literally. Yeah. Literally with a leather jacket. Yet uh, he has, he's got a background in fencing, you know, it's like, eh, it just seems <laughs> there's some stretches, yeah. some inconsistent stretches, but they at least did have a parallel where he had a thing for daggers or knives, you know? So I guess it wasn't completely off the wall, but I do get what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, they needed a companion to go on the journey with Indiana Jones and I would prefer that they just kept Mac and not done the double agent, triple agent, then quadruple agent or whatever. What the fuck was his deal? Yeah. I just got tired of that. You know, it was just like this, you know, Oh, I'm a triple agent. Uh, why would you believe him? <laughs> no, like Indiana's not that dumb. Right. And they played him. That's not, yeah. They played him for really stupid at certain points in the film. And I, and that's what I, I, I didn't like it. I really, really didn't like it. I thought there were some really good sequences in the film. I really like the opening sequence in the warehouse. 
I, I like the idea of looking for the body and kind of tying that into Area 51 and obviously having a, kind of a reference back to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but that's the la- the resting place of the, the Lost Ark. That's how you make a successful cameo in a film like that. That, that. I really enjoyed that one. No, that was that was great. You know, like the moment that the, he started walking through the warehouse, I'm like, the Ark is here. The, and and it makes and sense. And you don't know at that point what they're looking for. Correct. So it could be the Ark. You Correct. never know. It, w- it was, I mean, I was pretty sure they weren't looking for the Ark because he was referring to stuff into the 40s, which happens after the Ark. But I, I love that kind of callback, and I thought that was a great portion of it. Uh, I didn't even dislike the, his escape from the warehouse and the rocket sled out to the outskirts of Area 51. I didn't think the whole nuke town was necessary. <laughs> but Well, you know, because they said in the 50s, I thought that's appropriate. How they had India escape, not good. And even that rocket, that is not plausible. The G-forces, I, I'm not a scientist, but I, I can't imagine the G-forces would not kill them both as it goes and also comes to the stop. It was just a little too implausible for me. Oh, it, that is was, that a word? <laughs> no, that's that's a word. But this is Indiana Jones. Remember, he jumped out of a plane with an inflatable raft in a film. I can believe that. I can see Harrison Ford. No, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, but after but after that, it gets bogged down for a long time. You don't get really kind of back to the you get the the interaction between these two characters. I mean, you have a motorcycle chase, but I've seen better in Last Crusade. You know, I you know we got kind of the fight at the gravesite uh, in Peru or wherever, um, where they're where they find the this the skulls from the conquistadors, but. You know, I've seen better fights. You know, we, you know, we didn't really have, you know, a whole bunch other than a whole bunch of ants. You know, that was that was kind of the the big, you know, ick factor. You know, instead of snakes, bugs, or rats, you know, this time we have a lot of ants, but it's a lot of CGI. I thought it was a little reminiscent of the original fight with the guy at the airplane where he got cut up. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, there was a lot of this is just retreading the same material. You know, and and as much as I liked having Marianne Ravenwood back, I, I I liked her back as a character. I didn't like the the <laughs> I didn't like the um, well, he's your son. Well, that's kind of a dickish thing to do, <laughs> not tell him his entire life, and and then they fall back in love so instantaneously that it just wasn't believable to me. She didn't even say I love you, and he said I know. Different series. But that's okay. <laughs> he did say I have a bad feeling about this, though. He did, which also bugged the shit out of me when he did that. <laughs> Haven't they done that in another Indiana Jones, though? I feel like this wasn't the first time. I don't think they did in another Indiana Jones. I think this is the only time they've done that. Huh. But at that point in time, I was like, you're not even being creative enough to just steal the the catchphrases from your own series. Now you got to steal them from another series. It's. I'm pretty sure you said that in Witness as well. Yeah. yeah. Mosquito Coast. <laughs> Yeah, just like Arnold, I'll be yeah. back. I think that was uh, one of the, the key points of Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And I know, I know without a doubt, once he started shooting six days, seven nights, I know he said it to himself. Whether he said it in the film, I don't know. But mm. All right. Well, wh- you know, what specifically did you want to talk about with this film? I'm sitting here 
bitching and complaining and saying what I did like about the movie. Well, here's the thing. I, I kind of already said this at, at the beginning, but I think that as far as if you would have asked me before I watched it again for this podcast, I would have said it's the worst of the series. And I think that it has actually aged better for me than um, why did I just blink out on the second Temple one? Um, the Temple of Doom. Yeah, it, I think it's aged for better than the Temple of Doom. Take out the monkey scene. And overall, it's a pretty enjoyable popcorn ride, you know? So I think that um, I my memories of it this time around are much better than the first few times. I remember leaving the theater um, when I saw this originally being disappointed. Not hating it, just disappointed in what I saw. And I have, maybe I've just come to terms with it, but uh, it, it was actually a pretty enjoyable film for me this time around. It's not a classic like uh, one and three. But it was good. I still really like Kate Blanchett's character. I, I think she was a great foil to Indiana Jones. Still a little reminiscent of some earlier villains, but you know, overall good. Well, I, I like the intellectual equal. I mean, that's this is about as close as you get to Belloc through the entirety of the the series, as far as um, you know, villains who have the intellectual capability to go up against Indiana Jones. Cause as, as much as he does a lot of things by dumb luck and instinct, he's also really smart and that, you know, the Donovan wasn't very smart and needed to pay smart people to find the Holy grail. And Mularam was just, you know, a fanatic who got people to follow him. But Belloc was his, his was his intellectual equal. So that's why I like about Spalco and is that she was, she was right there on par with him as, as far as intelligence. I, I will agree with you a lot that I, I am a bigger fan of this film than temple of doom. And I've, I've never, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, a lot of people bag on this, I don't think this film was that bad. I, I thought it was, as you said, a popcorn film. It was very entertaining. Um, it was not, it was not last crusade. It wasn't Raiders. And I, and I don't think it's fair for anyone to always draw that comparison each and every single time, because temple of doom was d certainly not Raiders when it came out either. It was a popcorn film. I liked temple of doom, uh, but you know, it is a, you know, the three, you know, the four films I think are all solidly based is I enjoyed this film. It has flaws. It has a lot of crap I don't like in it. But when I compare it to other similar films of the time, a la National Treasure or National Treasure Book of Secrets or Book of Lies or whatever the fuck it was called, this is by and far a far superior film mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, that those films, I mean, blatantly rip off the idea of what uh, Indiana Jones is supposed to be as far as archaeology and, and dumb it down so bad that it doesn't play to, uh, it doesn't play smart. You know, it's just like, I just want to lead you to one action sequence over another. And what I did also like was Mutt giving him the snake to get out of the quicksand or whatever oh, it was they called it in this one. That was one um, of the scenes I hated. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like it? I did not like that. I mean, too pretentious for you. The the it wasn't quicksand. It was. Uh, I, I forget what he called it. So, it was not a term I've ever used before. But yeah, I you know uh, he was talking about that it was creating stop moving. You're creating space in the you know you're opening up space, and so you're you're falling, you're sinking down. It's 
but yeah so i didn't like the quicksand stand i don't like the i i really hate the monkey scene <laughs> i agree with you on that and you know i'm not terribly fond of the three waterfall scene i thought that was kind of silly once again not a plausible thing to me i think they would have met their maker after the first one but uh i mean they did throw some humor in that with the the translation but yeah it that was really implausible yeah. but the nuke the fridge scene didn't bother me as much as all those scenes <laughs> and that was the one where everybody i mean they it created the new vernacular replaced jump the shark is nuke the fridge and and i really didn't find that scene that offensive no i it i laughed the first time i saw it in the theater and um i i enjoy i think part of it is it's just a fun scene to make fun of Mm -hmm. but i agree with you out of all the flaws in this film that is not the worst of them no and just much with the monkeys carrying that covering that much ground that they can catch up to vehicles that are moving, uh, just drives me nuts. But, um, I think it kind of, that scene fit for me. Uh, even the, like I mentioned, the rocket sled bothers me now more than the actual fridge part. The rocket sled doesn't bother me that much, but I mean, it's the, it, it's weird that I appreciate kind of what they are trying to go for in this that the original three were more based off the serials of the 1920s and 1930s. And the, this film is supposed to be more reminiscent of kind of the science fiction films of the 1950s. And I like the idea of that. Now, knowing that the next film is supposed to take place in uh, roughly uh, four, you know, 13, 14 years after this one, that puts it almost almost at 1970 and we're getting to the time of my birth (laughs) and i'm really curious what are you going to go for in that one you know uh independent cinema uh taxi (laughs) driver-esque like what you know what what are you building your themes around well i don't know where they're going but you and i we both went to elementary school in the mid to late 70s and i'm going to assume since we were the same school district even though it's not the same elementary that you got those um those videos those science videos on the projector that were made at like i don't know if it was berkeley or where the hell it was made but it was very 60s early 70s film and it was some educational topic right but uh in my mind that would be the the feel of the next film where he's some old school professor that comes straight out of one of those film reels and then it's just a typical indiana jones where he's more like his father in this upcoming one than uh, he was as the old Indiana Jones. That's but, my. But there's no Shia LaBeouf. He's not returning for the next film. I, I they can get just about any. Uh, they could get Chris Pratt or who's the one that uh, um, Harrison got confused? Not Chris Pratt. Um, Star Trek guy. Um, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> he. he uh, I believe he was quoted as saying Chris Pine is not Indiana Jones, but I think they could get a lot of actors to play his son in, in today's world to recast infinitely who recast it then recast it. All right. Okay. All right. And since it's Hollywood, the big thing now are female cast members, uh, taking the leads. So maybe they'll have a Indiana ah, Jones. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you're not 
far off on that because is it the Phoebe Waller Bridge, uh, the one who did Fleabag? Uh, mm-hmm. She's been cast in the film, and it's rumored that she's supposed to be kind of the intellectual equivalent of Indiana Jones, although far younger than his character is supposed to be. And of course, he's supposed to be married. But uh, you know, the way I understand it, Shia LaBeouf is not returning, and Karen Allen is not returning for the film. So, uh, well, I think Shia he uh, he burned that bridge oh, with his well, publicity. Well, yeah, but it's not Spielberg doing it anymore. You know, so Spielberg backed out of directing it. He's just executive producing. Trust me, still strong enough to say, no, that shithead ain't going to be in this film. <laughs> the, the same way that he uh, didn't direct Poltergeist to say. Well, yeah, but I honestly believe he's not directing it. I think he still has some creative in, input, but I think he's kind of said all he wants to say with this character. And it, you know, the George Lucas has sold it off to Disney and George Lucas isn't is involved in the project. Uh, this has become more of corporate synergy of let's, you know, let's allow Harrison Ford one last go at this before we recast and create a younger version of Indiana Jones, a la James Bond of something or something like that. Cause I, I do not believe that once we get a fifth Indiana Jones, that will be it forever that, I, that we'll never see that character again. We're going to see it, that character again in some capacity. It's a shame River Phoenix passed away. He could have done it. Uh, I will still say to this day, I'm very glad that River Phoenix did not end up playing the character <laughs> any further than what he did in that film. Because I, think, what he did? I still think that's the weakest part of that film. All right. Well, after all said and done, on a scale of one to five, do you consider this film a bad one? Or would you give this one a high five? I'm not going to go completely high five. But I think this is an, an above average film. It is not the worst of the series. And I think just from this last viewing that it has held up very well for me. Uh, there's still a lot of things that drive me crazy, which we talked about uh, quite well. And I would say I would give it a three and a half, four stars out of five. Wow. Uh, that fours might be a little high, but it, it's, it's a above average. Solid uh, B minus film. All right. Well, you know, as I said, I, I like this film. I like it better in Temple of Doom. So I'm going to say three stars. And it's about what I give Temple of Doom, but I'd like this one just a little bit better. I mean, I think the production budget was better. I think the, the MacGuffin was a lot more interesting than a bunch of rocks. And I like the cast as a whole much better than a Temple of Doom. Plus, Kate Capshaw isn't screaming her head off the entire time, which annoyed the crap out of me. Uh, She was not good in in that film. No, she wasn't. And I got a little tired of short round as well. Although I would love to have seen them bring back that character as an adult. You know, weren't they considering it? I have no idea what they were considering. I mean, in, in my mind, I would have thought it would have been a great foil to have him as the companion. If you still want to introduce the son, but have the son more as a, a competitive interest for short round into each other that, you know, that they're competing for Indiana Jones's attention, especially if he doesn't know that mud is his son. I thought that would have made it mm-hmm. some interesting drama and possibly comedy, but they didn't do that. <laughs> short round would have given us more booby traps. Yeah. That that's would, what I said. That's booby what, traps. That's, that's what he said. So yeah, I would give this three stars. I, once again, I like this film. It's, it's a decent film. I was entertained by it. I, I, I do not consider an utter piece of crap, which is what a lot of people did when this film came, is, you know, were saying it the, the, when this was released in 2008. And yeah, it wasn't Raiders. And yeah, it wasn't Last Crusade. But, 
it, it was better in Temple of Doom, and I think some people have revisionist history to start thinking that that one was such a great one, and it's no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. I have high hopes that a final one, and I will stress a final one, uh, will nicely wrap up the series. I hope they don't do something as dramatic as killing off the character, but you know that's yeah, they bring in James Mangold who killed Logan in the last Wolverine film, so it's always possible that 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 was the that's their intention is to give a, a closure to this character but even if they kill off the character i think you're gonna see him right back again in a few years in some other capacity and we'll we'll be seeing indiana jones films like we see star wars films uh, adam driver's not in this one is he no he's not okay Although well i think one. i think uh indy's safe then eh, hopefully maybe hopefully all right well that's our review of indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section. And for our listeners over on moviehousememories.com, please rate it from one to five stars on the page as well. If you've enjoyed today's review, please don't forget to subscribe to our account on YouTube, the MHN Podcast Network, where we have many, many more film reviews from yesterday, today, and beyond. But we do not have Tarzan the Ape Man movie. Yes. Please do not ask. Our most popular review is Tarzan the Ape Man where people are constantly telling us they want us to play the movie. Guys, you can go watch boobs someplace else. That's all I can tell you. All right. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. And the concession stand is now closed. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Rock On Bretta is brought to you by Marwan Nimra at Nintentine.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Movie House Concessions, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC unless otherwise noted. 